Hello, friends. Hey, this is Grace Hot Pants Langhine bringing you a very special episode of The Running Mullet. This is episode one of The Running Mullet, The Mullet Chronicles. So, Eric Kosek is all business in the front of the pack, and me, I'm all about the party in the back. And I am also all about reading to people. I don't know why, but I enjoy it. I like reading to people. And so I bring you these special episodes, the Mullet Chronicles, and the purpose of them is for you to hear amazing race reports from across the interwebs. And here's what I'll do. I'll give you a quick introduction about the race itself, and then I'm simply going to read the race report to you. Uh, There's race reports out on Facebook and Instagram and uh, blogs. There are some pretty great race reports. So that is the purpose of these episodes. This is episode one. So hang with me for a bit. We'll see how this goes. You might want to skip to episode 10 if I'm still around. We'll see. Um, and we're going we're gonna to roll with it. Hopefully I get through the entire race report word for word. I'm going to try not to interject or flub it up too much. Uh, but but uh, uh, roll with it a bit. And, uh, and we're going to try this out. Now, if you would like to submit your race reports to me, you can do so on Facebook, on Instagram, and also at therunningmullet at gmail.com. That's all one word, therunningmullet at gmail.com. Now, I want to hear your race reports. Don't send me somebody else's race report. Um, because you've probably got some awesome race reports and that gives me a chance to talk to you a little bit about how your day went and get permission to read it. So all of these race reports are going to be read with permission. And our first one coming to you, I am excited for this one. It comes to us from Daryl Lehman, who is a longtime friend and listener of the show, just an awesome dude. And he ran the Mason Dixon Longest Day. He did a race report about it. And I just, I love this race. It is a fat ass style race uh, brought to us every year by Rob Bartholomew. I did it myself back in 2020. I did not complete the race before sunset, but I did complete the distance and I love the Mason Dixon trail. So I I just thought this was a a great one to start off the show with. Um, We'll see how it goes. I might redo it later on if I I find that that this one's a little rough. We'll see. Uh, So... Daryl Lehman uh, brought this uh, race report to me and I'm, I'm going to read you the title and the date and then we are going to kick it off from there and I'll wrap it up again in the end. All right, here we go. Mason Dixon Longest Day 100K Challenge 2023. It has been said that every story begins with a story. In this instance, that is definitely the case. In 2015, my employer assigned me to a new project team. Just so happened that some of my coworkers that I worked closely with were trail runners. Up to this point in my life, I had been a fairly casual runner sticking primarily to roads. I'd enjoyed spending time in the woods and hiking trails, but the thought of blending the two had not really crossed my mind. And besides, I was a busy dad with young kids, so who had time to drive any distance before getting to spend any time on the trails? I didn't think it was feasible for me, and the roads are where I found myself. 
That is until one fateful day when my coworkers talked me into skipping a team meeting in exchange for a group trail run. I'm not sure if it was because we were running in the woods, running with friends, or both, but I was instantly hooked. From that point forward, even though my runs were still primarily on the road, my mind was on the trails, and I began to look for ways to get back on them. I should probably take a quick time out before you start thinking that my colleagues and I were your irresponsible employees. It just so happened that our director, Brett Flieger, was an avid runner with a long history of trail adventures. So when we were taking work breaks to discuss our weekend running plans, we would soon find him out of his office and pouring over the trail maps with us. It was most likely during one of those work break storytelling sessions that I first heard about the Mason-Dixon Longest Day 100K Challenge, a 100K fat-ass event organized by the trail dogs from Delaware. Brett had completed the challenge twice and in the process became one of the first runners to meet the challenge of beginning at sunrise and completing the distance before sunset. Since the Mason-Dixon Trail was my favorite local trail to train on, I quickly became enamored with the idea of tackling this challenge. But 60 miles along the mighty Susquehanna was a bit more than I was ready to tackle at the time. It wouldn't be until 2021 when my first attempt ended at 45 miles, leaving me with the bitter taste of defeat. Now, two years later, I was ready to give it another shot. This is that story. The day started early by meeting Andy Forrester at the finish line where I left my truck. He had agreed to give myself and a couple other runners a ride to the start. After making a few stops to drop supplies along the trail, we had made it to the start line with plenty of time to greet other runners and get ourselves set for the long day. The weather forecast was calling for high humidity and thunderstorms, but it felt comfortable and cool at the start line. We all assembled for the traditional photo and words of wisdom from Rob Bartholomew, and then we were off at 5.38 with the goal of beating the setting sun 15 hours later. Within the first quarter mile, we hit a stream crossing and initial climb. I allowed the majority of the pack to move ahead of me, taking my time to cross the stream on rocks, keeping my feet dry. Two years prior, it was the blisters on my feet that took me out of the game, and I was determined to not repeat that experience. By the time we reached Stafford Road and the detour leading out of Susquehanna State Park, the runners were strung out nicely, and we were able to settle into a comfortable road pace. I'd made a decision to run comfortably whenever I could, not pushing the pace, but also not trying to be too conservative with my energy. Those road miles made it easy to bank some time that I could rely on later. At just over six miles, we crossed Route 1, where I picked up my hydration pack, and we were finally on trail again. I yo-yoed back and forth with a couple of the runners, but by the time I reached Glen Cove, mile 9, we had all settled into our places. The next 30 miles were spent running solo, with the exception of seeing Roxanne Strine on her way to completing 31 miles from the midway start, midnight start. While I hadn't set a specific goal time for the day, I thought a 14-hour finish was reasonable, and perhaps if everything went really well, 13 was not entirely out of reach. I entertained myself by observing my overall average pace, keeping in mind what Brett Flieger's fastest finishing pace was. I knew that was out of reach for me on this day, but I decided to see how 
decided I would see how many miles I could go, keeping my average pace below his 1222 pace. Not long after crossing the Maryland line into Pennsylvania, I was surprised by my friends Jack and Julie Grove, who had been observing my progress on my spot tracker app and came down to find me. After some quick hellos and a cheesy smile for a picture, I was back on my way, happy for the energy boost. At some point, the rain had picked up in earnest, and as I rolled into the first picnic at Cold Cabin Park, mile 23-ish, I found the volunteers huddled beneath their pop-up tents in an attempt to stay dry. I'd been carrying enough calories to not rely on aid stations, but some bacon, watermelon, and a pierogi hit the spot as a change-up for my taste buds. Not staying long, I headed out for more trails, and by the time I reached the Muddy Creek Bridge, the rain had stopped, but still had decent cloud cover. I was grateful for this, as I remembered how two years prior, the sun was out in full force at this road section, causing me to spend valuable minutes soaking in the stream to cool off before hitting the open road. Although the humidity was high, I was managing my temps by dipping my headband in every stream crossing, so there was no need to stop for a soak today. I felt reasonably strong through the road sections, motivated to keep moving so that it ended more quickly and still keeping an eye on my average pace. This five mile road section is by far the most boring of the entire run. After finally reaching the PA Fish Commission boat launch, my excitement to be back on trails quickly diminished as I tried to navigate through Peavine Island. Although I have been on this trail before, it was particularly overgrown, and I was starting to feel the fatigue in my feet as I scrambled over the technical trails. It was in this little section that my average pace crept over the 1222 mark. I smiled to myself, thinking 35 miles wasn't too bad. I hit the second picnic at lock 12, feeling good and ready to be on trails that I was much more familiar with. A quick refill of my bottles and a handful of Swedish fish, I was on my way. Although I was still feeling good, the solo miles were starting to get to me, and I began to count down the miles to Posey Road, where I knew my friend Tim Crow would be meeting me to pace me to the finish. I occupied my mind recalling memories of the first time I covered some of these trails. It had been during one of those work breaks that I complained about how challenging it was to find an ultra race that fit my schedule. Brett challenged me to plan my own race, so that is what I did. I mapped out a 50k route on the MDT to run in January 2017 with the help of the same co-workers. But back to the present moment. Tim was waiting for me at Posey Road as promised. I was beginning to feel a few blisters forming on my feet, so I changed my socks, not wanting to have a repeat of two years earlier. We moved well all the way to Otter Creek Picnic, where I scored some more bacon, pierogies, and a cup of Coke before heading on our way. Not too far from Yuri Overlook, we caught up with another runner, Willie Reed from the Midnight Start Group. It really impressed me knowing that he had been out on the trail five and a half hours longer than I had been and was still grinding it out. We made it to Apollo Park where I had stashed my trekking poles and my waist pack to exchange with my backpack. It was nice to get the weight off my shoulders and have the added assistance. Zach Geipel caught up with us here and left a couple minutes before making us a comment that we had three and a half hours to finish. My goal has been to arrive at Apollo with three hours to spare, so I was feeling pretty confident that I could beat the sun. Three and a half hours to go nine miles. You may wonder how hard can that be? 
If you have never hiked or run this section of trail, I highly recommend it. It is rugged with multiple climbs, earning it some interesting names, not all of them G-rated. I will use one of the family-friendly names and refer to it as the, quote, death march. At some point in this section, my watch battery died, leaving me without the visual reminder of time and distance. I wasn't too concerned given the amount of time I had remaining. I was vaguely aware that I had stopped taking in calories at the frequency that I should have. I'm not sure if it was the lack of calories, fatigue in the legs, or being mentally weary, but my pace slowed considerably. It was probably a combination of all three. At one point, partway up a steep climb, I sat down on a rock to take a breather. I was sick of eating the food I had, so Tim offered me a smashed and considerably melted granola bar. Boy, did that hit the spot. This was amusing to us as I had been telling Tim how granola bars really weren't much healthier than candy bars. And now I thought it was the best thing in the world. It was at this point that I asked him what time it was and how many miles we had to go. The answer was it was 7.30 and we had four miles to go. That was not good. Somehow I had wasted all my extra time and now I needed to move considerably faster than what we had been moving. That lit a fire under me. There was no time for talking and stories now if I was going to beat the sun. Even though I had been on this trail dozens of times before, I was having a hard time picturing where I was and how many climbs I had to go. I just focused on the steps in front of me and kept moving as fast as possible. It wasn't until we were scrambling down off the dinosaur's back and I caught a glimpse of the shred just off of the shed just off the trail that I felt confident again that I would make the cutoff. Once on the road, we stretched out our legs into a solid run, reaching the steps of Shanksmare Outfitters with 19 minutes to spare. I think the moral to the story is be careful you hang who you hang out with or you might just start doing the crazy things that they do. Ah. That is Daryl Lehman's story of the Mason-Dixon 100K Challenge 2023. I hope you enjoyed it. The Mason-Dixon Trail is about 200 miles long total and traverses through Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Delaware with this particular race um, solely between Maryland and Pennsylvania. Again, you can submit your race reports to me at the mulling, the running mullet at gmail.com on Facebook, on Instagram, um, so that I can read some more of these race reports. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know if you did. Let me know if you didn't. Or just stop by to say hi and tune in to The Running Mullet every Monday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And we'll, uh, we'll have some more fun talks. Thanks, everybody. You're awesome. <laughs>